0: triggers reveal our insecurities. The guilt is greater when a man is cheating on a woman.
1: So what is a high value woman? There's
0: men out there that accept the unacceptable when it comes to women. If you're a girl who wants a six foot two in shape man but none of those men are giving you attention, change your type. I know guys I will spend two, three thousand pounds on a table but their mum hasn't got a car. I would give a lot of the credit for why marriages are breaking down to pornography. Children need two parents and when they don't have that, they don't regulate their emotions correctly. I always find men who grew up with just their mum and no access to their father and no access to the dad's side of the story are more likely to be cheated on. The skills that you need or business are not transferable for relationships rich men get cheated on more
1: rich men get cheated on more this is a topic treat
0: your body like a home for your brain
1: what are some of the red flags then that both men and women can look out for in the opposite sex
0: make decisions today that you won't regret in 10 years
1: first things first guys before we get started with this podcast do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now whether that's youtube spotify apple podcasts i'd Appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremoval.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremoval.com. Welcome back to the podcast. And have I got a treat for you today? It's not often we get to sit down with one of the best psychologists in the game, Sally Khan, Welcome to the podcast.
0: That's a bit of pressure, actually, uh, but I'll take it. Best psychologist uh, in the game. It, 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 Relax. Well, well, the, the,
1: the view, the views, the views that you get say that you are. So, oh, okay, I'll you know, take that then. you're the most, you're the most viewed psychologist at the moment, I reckon, maybe on social media. Maybe at the
0: media. moment. Yeah. Maybe at the moment, I guess. Yeah. I think,
1: I think before we go into the, uh, the, the deep stuff around, well, all the topics that we're going to go into, we're going to go into some mad topics, I'm sure we are. But before going go into that, I just want to kind of get an understanding of why you wanted to even become a psychologist in the first place. And what interests you about the human mind and how it works?
0: Um, you know, that's actually a great question. Thank you for asking that. But I was always a very inquisitive child. I always wanted to know why people do that. Like it wasn't enough because I had very strict parents incredibly strict parents so wasn't allowed to do this wasn't allowed to do that and I was always curious why because I never really got the why you know parents they're just strict so I was always wondering why 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 and because I had that curiosity I um, then started studying psychology in school I was young I was only like 15 16 years old and um, my teacher was just very encouraging she was just like you're really good at this this is very natural for you you need to take this further and me being a kid I was like I'm I'm not going to do much with it what, what am I going to do so I started studying psychology in university did my degree masters everything and I got sick of it and I was like, I'm not doing that again but then I realized how much I, mi- I like working with children so I decided to become a psychology teacher for a couple of years uh, because I just love kids you know, they're so funny they're so vibrant I really recommend everybody to work it's with pure kids. energy isn't it you know what, they're so alive. You know when I used to walk around in the, in the lunch hall and the kids would be smiling, laughing, dancing. Then you go in the staff room and it's miserable and cold. And I just thought, how do people work with adults all the time? You need energy and the children have it. Have you ever worked with kids?
1: I've taught carpentry to kids when I, when I was because I, I've been a teacher myself, like in colleges and, yeah. and done stuff in schools as well. So I've taught them carpentry and physical stuff, and do, and also worked with them in boxing as well. Oh, like teaching, teaching, boxing. they're fantastic. They're just they're just like sponges, and they're appreciative of what of what you can bring. You know what I mean? And
0: they inspire you. Because you, well, what I learned from them, I think this is one of my, I think this is the core behind my success on social media. When you have children trying to learn something very complex, you have to get into the habit of simplifying it, make it digestible. So you take psychology, which is really intense, and you have to make it digestible to a 50 year old boy who's got no attention. So when I got into the habit of doing that, I realized I can dissect psychology and actually teach it to the masses in quite a digestible manner. So that's why I thought, let me just post it online because I have the skills to kind of make something very complex and uh, just make it quick and easy and accessible. So because of teaching, all praise be to God, it was all because of teaching. So because of that, I started posting it online and it just kind of took off from there and now we're here.
1: Because a lot of your content that I see... I, even if it's something I don't know, I don't go getting triggered by it. I'll just I was, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh yeah, I can understand that from that perspective. Yeah, uh, I think that's because I've probably done a little bit of work that I don't get triggered. But I see so many people in your comment section Crazy, on your videos right? that if it's something said in certain narrative, because they think a different opinion, they will fight not only you in the comments, but fight other people in the comments. Yeah. So why do people then psychologically want to have a, war on social media these days like what 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 is what's the, the the reason behind all that
0: you know what i would imagine it is it's um our triggers reveal our insecurities so and how you respond to them is how much work you've done in healing so what i find is say for example i talk about the importance of fathers in children's lives um and how much they need a father i'll have single moms in my comments being like my ex was a narcissist he was so abusive they're so zoomed in to their perspective and their experience they can't zoom out and think yeah my ex was terrible but my child is still going to suffer my child's psychology is not going to be totally accepting of the fact that dad was uh, terrible needs a masculine figure they can't think like that they're so holding on to their triggers and they're so defensive of it because they don't want to do the inner work so when I see like the trigger trolls um I actually just feel a bit sorry for them because I'm like if this triggers you so much it's a message it's a signal to you to your brain of what you need to work on so use it constructively rather than using it to start a war
1: so everything that triggers people, like anyone that's listening to this right now, anything that triggers them in their life is a button that they need to essentially remove. It's
0: a wound. It's a wound. So uh, What happens with psychology and psychological experiences and traumas, it creates a wound no different to a physical wound. Like if I had uh, a burn on my leg and someone brushes past it, even if they didn't mean to, it's like, ah, be careful, my knee, my knee, neater. Psychology does the same thing. If I have a psychological wound and someone just brushes past it with no intention to offend you, simply to just get to their destination, you're going to overreact. And that's what I see the trolls is doing. They overreact and they get really and I think what's easy with somebody like me compared to maybe other psychologists is it's very easy to attack my looks. It becomes their first thing. It's their first protocol is to kind of go straight for my appearance, um, and I, I I I I'm completely used to it, so I don't bother it. But it's one of those things that is actually really interesting. Whereas perhaps if a different psychologist, maybe she was seventy years old, talking about the same thing, no one would go for her appearance. But if I say the same thing, first thing happens. Yeah, but you're you, All you do is you wear makeup. You're this. You, I bet you're a slag. You're this. That. So I get far more personal comments with, with the triggers.
1: So you even get the slag comments. Oh, just all the because, time, just because, just because yeah. of your appearance.
0: I remember, I, I we might say something like the importance of a father, and so they'll start saying you're an escort, you're this, you're that, and uh, uh, you're it will get so extreme, personal, but never about the content. It gets because here's what happens: my content is quite well explained, so they can't necessarily attack the content. So it's quicker and easier to defend yourself by attacking me, and the quickest way to attack me is to go for my appearance.
1: So that shows a lot of vulnerabilities in the people that are attacking you.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a quick and easy jab because they assume that's what I care about the most. They, they, I've hurt them with my words, unbeknownst to me. I've just done it by explaining something. They want to attack me back. And because, you know, they might see me dressed up or makeup, bit in there, they think the quickest and easiest way to hurt her back is to say something about her appearance.
1: Is an assumption a cover for a trigger that's not been healed?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So can
1: you, can you explain why that is the case?
0: Well, the thing is, I would imagine if they are assuming that I'm like this and I'm a terrible person and I'm hideous, all right, what it does is then it invalidates my message to them and then they don't have to work on what I'm talking about.
1: So this, so this happens in business, in life, in every 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 factor, in every field.
0: Everything it happens, yeah. Because here is the thing: people talk a lot about pretty privilege, and they'll say to, so, stuff like, "Oh, yeah, but you, you know, pretty privilege, you've just, you know, that's why you're you only go, you've only had this level of success because of pretty." But it actually works massively against you. In this particular field, if I was an influencer selling makeup products, absolutely pretty privileged matters. But in an academic sense, it's been nothing but a hindrance. In schools, in, when I was educating everything, when I was doing my qualifications, I found like if, if you even take some pride in your appearance, people automatically assume you're dumb. And then you have to work double hard to kind of get that respect. And I found it with students as well. I'd walk into a classroom and immediately they be like, oh, she's going to be shit. Oh, she's... And then they'd give me that resistance and I'd have to extra prove myself to just get the normal baseline level of respect.
1: Did that add wounds to you as a psychologist that you then had to overcome?
0: What it did for me is it made me very self-deprecating. So y- anyone who knows me knows that within five minutes I'll say an insult to myself. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I'm so uh, oh, I'm so fat. I'll say. You did stupid. it
1: before the podcast, did I? You? What did I, did I say? You you were uh, you was not not in not in the sense of uh, in the way that you've just explained, but in the sense of like when we're talking about cameras and stuff, and, you, yeah. and you, 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 you apologize and you and you're apologizing for things you don't need to apologize for.
0: Yeah, I'm overly, I'm so self-deprecating. I'm overly apologetic because I was constantly criticized in my field because I because I you know taking care of your appearance and then going into schools would automatically especially with the female students put them on guard anything I would say to them they would take it negatively because they would assume it's coming from a place of arrogance so I had to self-deprecate to get their to get their alliance I would have to say oh I'm so ugly oh I'm so stupid oh I'm so this and only through putting myself down would I get their warmth so I got into the habit of doing that
1: do you, th- you know, with friend groups and like, you know, groups of girls, groups of guys, do you see, let's, let's just say, let's just take, for instance, a group of girls that are mm. together. Do you find that there's a lot of crabs in a bucket mentality within these groups these days that hold the someone that wants to break out of a pattern back, so to speak?
0: Yeah. Do you know what? I, I, I find that especially in London, I experience that. What happens in London, in, in Dubai, the sky is the limit. You can literally be a CEO of a top company and, you know, everybody can. So there's no holding each other back as much. But in London, there is a glass ceiling, whether it's due to structural racism, whether it's due to, you know, some uh, like where you come from, your background, whatever. There's some glass ceiling. So what happens is people really put down your efforts to overachieve. Or to get out of there. And I understand sometimes some people can be a bit delusional. And you just want to give them a reality check. But even if it's as small as like traveling a lot. Things that are so achievable. They want to put you down. But like, why don't you just save your money? Why are you always out all the time? Why do you always go for dinner? They just have to question your happiness. And it's a strange, it's a strange mentality.
1: There's a lot of podcasters out there at the moment. That are talking about masculinity mm-hmm. at scale. One, one podcast in America that I know is called Fresh and Fit. Uh-huh. And... There's these two guys on there. One of them's called Myron, I think. And they preach being high value men. Mm-hmm. And from the outside looking in, uh, on a personal level, I, I'm like, I don't find them as high value as sometimes as what they say they are. Yeah. Because of the positioning with the women that they're with. Exactly. Because, right? uh, so are these men high value from a psychological point of view? Hi, or, or, yeah. or or what's or what's the go with that and and why is society rewarding this
0: I, I feel like what's actually that culture is a bunch of men who've been extremely rejected in their past don't have a lot of success with women and are now punishing women through the use of money now now that they made a bit of money now they can punish them and embarrass them on their platform but the reality is here here's this this is what high value men truly are your high value is determined by the level of woman you can get to submit to you. That's your value. The highest level of woman that you can get to submit to you. Now, if the highest level of woman you can get to a, like, kind of submit and look after and be loyal to you is, an, uh, is a stripper or is like they usually get a lot of OnlyFans modelers. So that's the highest level of woman you can get to be loyal to you. You're not high value. But if you can get a woman who is up there, has plenty of options, and is inaccessible, highly loyal, if you can get that woman to submit to you, that's when you're high level. So if you want to know whether you're a high value man, look at the highest level of women you can get to totally be loyal to you. And if it's low, you're not that high value. And the other thing that they do that I find really bizarre is they take low-value women and kind of like speak to them badly and teach men to disrespect their woman, like to kind of be rude to them and, and not give them too much and give them less. But the, this is what truly high-value men do. They pick wisely. They pick super, super wisely. They're highly selective with the women that they choose. And then when they've chosen her correctly, they spoil her endlessly. They put her through the ringots. It's like, you know when you go to six, seven rounds of an interview to get into those corporate jobs? They make you go through interview after interview after interview, a bit like going to a Harvard application. When you get to Harvard, they treat you well. Your life is set. But up until that point, they put you through it. What Fresh and Frit teach is take any kind of woman and then don't give her too much, play games, treat her harshly. That's not what high-value men do. They've got a reputation. They can't just take any old girl and then try and tra- train her. They ain't got time for that. They take a woman who's been well-trained by her family.
1: That's amazing. Like, I've never seen it from that perspective before. Like, well, well-trained well by her family. I mean, that's your dad's that, that's job. Gonna, that's going to that's get a lot, of, a lot of people's backs up, especially some, so obviously, there might be some women that listen to this that might not have had a dad.
0: And Yeah. And like, it, the
1: dad might not have be, been around. Yeah. And I've noticed that from my own dating life that if I've dated a girl with who's who's come from a, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful Absolutely, way, yeah. it's like a it's like a broken, broken home, home yeah. and, and the dad's been absent for periods of time, the, the level of trauma that that girl's got in her yeah. life has made it more difficult and has brought up triggers within me Absolutely. from my childhood. Absolutely. So how... Does that affect a woman, Not them not having a father?
0: Here's the thing. What a lot of men and women do, when they have an absent father, they remove the pain of it by destroying his reputation, by saying, I hate him, he was a prick, he was this, he was that. Fine. He might be Ted Bundy. He might be the worst person on the planet. It doesn't change the fact that you needed two parents growing up and the lack of one parent is still traumatic. So how they defend themselves is by saying they didn't need their dad. They don't care about their dad no worries no one's suggesting that you did but it still causes a trauma in a child and the trauma you only you only realize the trauma mostly when they try and get into relationships and there's a level of fear of abandonment that you can't you can't set, soothe them with Sometimes you just can't soothe them. They just might be overly anxious that you're going to leave them. They might be overly independent and think, I don't need you because you might leave at any point. They might be uh, easily triggered. And you're thinking, I'm doing my best. What's wrong with her? Why won't she calm down? Children need two parents. And when they don't have that, they don't regulate their emotions correctly as an adult. And it's hyper-triggered when they're in a relationship and they're finally in love. That's when they behave their worst.
1: So essentially what you're saying is... it. By having an absent parent, mother or, father, mother or father, you create a chemical imbalance in your brain mm-hmm. that now makes you harder to date when you, when you get older, unless you deal with your traumas. You deal with it. So if there's people listening to this podcast, that male or female, that have been through, the, been through this where a parent has been absent, mm-hmm. they believe on the surface that they've dealt with it.
0: Yeah, they'll say, I'm fine. I don't need him. I don't think about him. They think it's about him. They don't think it's about the impact it's had on their psychology.
1: So, how can they then do do the inside work on a psychological level so that they can attract the partner? Because I I know I know there's a, I know a one girl specifically listens to this podcast, and she, um, there's a friend of mine, and she's she she dates the same kind of men all the time, yeah. and then then complains about these type of men on a constant cycle. Yeah. What, does she, what trigger does she have to break in order to break that?
0: It does depend on the type of wound the dad left. If it was just abandonment uh, they might just, and they never met him, they might go for a man a lot older and they're seeking somebody to create that kind of father, masculine figure, if they never met him. If it was somebody who uh, was abusive and then left, they'll look for somebody who is equally abusive, makes them earn their love and stuff. So it does depend on the type of trauma. But here's what I would say to start with. Do you have both sides of the story? I've had too many times where I've witnessed women brainwash children and deprive men of access to their children and brainwash that child. And that child grows up completely and utterly loyal to their mum. And with that loyalty, you have to sacrifice objectivity. In order to be completely loyal to your brainwashing mother, you have to be naive about women. And that sets them up terribly. I always find men who grew up with just their mum and no access to their father and no, no access to the dad's side of the story are more likely to be cheated on.
1: Repeat that again. Me. <laughs>
0: so men, men who grew up with just their mother yeah. and had no access to the dad in any way, no, no didn't understand the dad's side of the story, was just told that dad was terrible, they're more likely to be cheated on. By their partners. And the reason being is if they had access to dad and they saw for their own eyes that dad's a bit, you know, he's a bit of a mess, it's not so bad. But when they don't even have access, mom just moved them away, just separated them, got courts involved. What happens there? What happens there is they start to put women on a pedestal. They think women don't lie, women tell the truth. And they also don't see wife behavior. They don't see that wives are supposed to, you know, come home at a certain time, check in or anything like that. They just see an independent woman. So when they meet women, they're naive. They think women don't lie. Women tell the truth. Men are bad. Yeah, that's how they see the world. And then they also don't know the protocol of what a married woman should be like, that she should check in. Whereas when you live with mum and dad, you see mum doesn't go out so much at night. And you see that mum's a bit annoying as well. Poor dad, she's a bit rude to him. You, know, you see both sides of it. You see how annoying mum can be. But when you get no access to that, you become totally, totally naive about the severity of some women.
1: So what is a high-value woman?
0: I would just say a high-value woman is determined by the level of men she can say no to and resist. What I mean by that is if she can have really low-value men and she's just saying no to them, she's not that high-value. So low-value men, you're saying no, it's not that deep. But if you can get top-tier men who are all after you and you're still selective, you're a high-value woman
1: by top tier you mean
0: men that have an incredible amount of options and they're looking to not just sleep with you to be with you and you still are selective
1: and why do you think that in today's society we've we've gone away from this traditional marriage um traditional relationships there's now open relationships there's all these different genders and sexes and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff that's going on i'm sure we can talk about and the psychology behind that but what's you know what's What's to go no, with
0: all that? I do think it's deliberate. I do think it's like structurally programmed. I do think it's deliberate. But I would give a lot of the credit to pornography. I would give a lot of the credit for why marriages are breaking down to pornography. Because it teaches men and women desires that are completely uh, against the requirements of a marriage and monogamy. So it teaches men to enjoy a lot of threesomes. Teaches women to enjoy that. It teaches abuse. It teaches degradation. It teaches like how the import, like how important sex has to be in a marriage. And if it doesn't feel like this, it's pointless. What it does is it completely um, destroys the traditional values that are required for a long-lasting, monotonous, endless marriage. So a a typical marriage actually does get boring sexually, actually does require some tradition. It requires you to be a bit of a prude and this, that and the other because you have to self-regulate. You have to be in self-control. What porn does is say, indulge in every desire you could possibly have. That doesn't set you up for a lifetime of marriage.
1: By porn being in in any vicinity of of a relationship, you are increasing your chance of divorce?
0: I would say so. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't I don't think in any I, I, the thing is there's been no research that suggests it has any positive consequences. None. What, people think, oh, but yeah, it lightens up your sex life and it lightens. But here's the thing. Having a really bright sex life isn't actually an essential ingredient for marriage. An active sex life, a continuous, dedicated sex life is. When you brighten up your sex life, it then becomes difficult to accept monotonous and accept, you know, stable sex. So brightening it up doesn't actually create long-lasting sex within a marriage.
1: So if you are a, a man listening to this and you want... Your your goal at the moment. You're between 20 and 35, for argument's sake, and you want to smash business and smash life and, and and really send it. So that in your 40s you're set up and you're well and mm-hmm. you're doing you're doing the things that you, and you want to move different in in that time zone. What would you be saying? Should they be looking for a partner partner now, or should they should they just be in the rel- relentless pursuit of their goals, and then the partner will align at the right time?
0: Um, here, it's a bit it's very tricky for men. Because here's the thing, the reality is having a woman really does tick that box off. So the distraction of women calms down slowly. When you're totally single, every weekend you have to think what table are we getting? Uh, where? What holiday are we going on? You have to think about these things like how are we getting girls? Because you know you don't want to go out and this that and the other without a girl. Um, and when you have someone, that box is kind of ticked off, so that distraction is off. But at the same time, you also need to dedicate yourself to your uh, to your goals. So it's very difficult to manage both. And sometimes what can happen is when a man meets a woman when he's not quite where he should be, and then he kind of his career flourishes they're no longer compatible because he's become really really dedicated and hard-working and she may not have because she was just supporting him they're now intellectually less intimate so it's very difficult for men I would say I would say it's very difficult to choose but what I would say it's not so much whether you have a partner or whether you don't have a partner it's more whether you have discipline or don't have discipline with women Do you have discipline with women? If it is a case, I don't have time for a partner, I'm only going to have casual relationships, but I'm not going to go spending thousands on a table, going to be really thirsty when I get into a club, think I need it. Discipline with that. If I have it, I have it. If I don't, I don't. I've got to focus. But if you don't have discipline, whether you're in a relationship, outside a relationship, you're not going to reach your goals because it will trickle over into your financial success if you've got really messy women around you or if you uh, are not disciplined with who you're sleeping with what you're doing you can end up having a child anything can throw you off so discipline is the key thing
1: so when you say discipline in relation because you say discipline you say casual in the same yeah same essence so you say you're in the pursuit of this massive goal whatever the goal is for you business whatever it is you might have an econ brand you might Whatever, whatever, whatever you're doing. You might be playing sport, whatever. You're a man, right? You're in the pursuit. You're saying disciplined casual. What, what, I want, I really want to go into what disciplined casual actually is to you. I'm
0: not a fan or an encourager of anything casual. But what I would say is some men, they engage in what they think is casual relationships with women they think are low value. And it's just a bit of, it's only a matter of time before they get attached. They pretend they don't. But there's so many men I know that was like, oh, you know, she she was a hoe, but I fell in love with her, you know, or she was a hoe. I didn't take her serious. So I was so able to be myself because I didn't take her serious. Now we're in love and we're having a baby or or, you know, I don't respect her. I don't really want anything to do with her. But now she's pregnant. So there's no discipline. If you're going to be casual, at least be very disciplined with it. As in even your casual partners, there's a criteria, there's a level, there's a threshold of if worst-case scenario, if anything did happen, I'd be okay with us being together. Even if I can't dedicate the time and energy into creating something now. But when men completely drop their standards with casual relationships, they find themselves in situations they can't handle.
1: What should women do then if they're caught in this casual casual sex trap? Not not truly valuing themselves. What what should they be doing, and how should they be moving to move different?
0: Ask yourself the question: Is being with him going to make me feel ashamed of myself or proud of myself? And if the answer is, I leave feeling a bit ashamed of myself, don't do it.
1: Do you think some women are addicted to feeling the same shame over and over again?
0: They're not addicted to the shame. They're addicted to the momentary feeling of comfort that he might give the ego boost he might give, the sense of comfort he might give in those 10, 20 minutes, and then the shame they forget about because they just want to numb the pain of feeling low and getting his attention again makes her feel high and loved. And so they they forget, but the shame sinks in straight after. And they think the cure to the shame is to get back with him again. Every time he calls her, she feels loved again. She thinks, okay, let me get rid of the shame. I don't feel as embarrassed that he's calling me again. But the real way to get rid of the shame is to exit.
1: Do you think then women misunderstand what high value truly is?
0: I think uh, the social media misunderstands what high value is. Social media uh, measures high value by just having money. But truly high value is um, ensuring that you give, not only do you have a lifestyle that is high value, but you also create an emotional connection that is high value. You create a sense of safety, loyalty, and trust. That's also high value, hard to achieve. But if it's just like, oh, he's really rich, but she's cheating, he's cheating, it's a messy environment. What's high value about that? Who envies that?
1: So these people then that are in these open relationships are the, essentially what you're saying. Then is they're just they're just in those relationships not because they're truly, in essence, happy with it, mm. but. They're just dealing with wounds that they don't even know they're dealing with.
0: They're they're pleasure-seeking. What's happening is there's some level of internal turmoil and they're thinking pleasure-seeking is going to get rid of that sadness. It's going to get rid of that emptiness. It's going to get rid of that shame. But pleasure-seeking is the opposite of happiness. True happiness comes from stable, healthy peace.
1: So what about all these girls then that do like things like OnlyFans and stuff like that that are, are going around, they're making 100k a month, they're calling themselves girl bosses, all this kind of stuff like that. Oh. On a psychological level, what, are, 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 are they that or, you know, are they the girl boss uh. are, or, or is, that, is that a false economy that they've bought into being sold a narrative by social media?
0: I don't believe any human being can um, reveal and allow others to access the most sacred part of them without feeling some shame. I'm sure the money helps. I'm sure the money helps. But there's an element of shame and guilt every time I do that. And then afterwards you have to think, God, this dirty old man. Oh, I wish I didn't have to kiss him, but I'll just do it anyway. And so when that you have that extreme level of shame and guilt, the only way to feel good about it is to pretend you're in control of it and to take control. And how you take control? By by boasting about it, pretending it's great. It's a bit like people who are super, super overweight and they say, I'm, I'm fabulous. I'm big boned, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm fabulous, yeah, yeah. I'm beautiful. I'm just, no, you're unhealthy. You struggle when you go up and down the stairs. You feel bad when you look at your body. You, there's no way you can't because it's unhealthy. So the only way you compensate is by telling yourself you love it, telling yourself you love it. But when we suppress how we truly feel, because the reality is these OnlyFans women, if they were made of money and came from lots of money and had lots of money and were truly secure and happy in a great relationship with family and friends and partner, would they be doing it?
1: You don't see anyone doing OnlyFans that comes from generational wealth.
0: Never impossible because there's a legacy
1: because because legacy wealth doesn't 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 have access to that kind of content
0: another thing you don't see and i think this is important in social media is a lot of uh high value men they teach you know on the fresh and fit is that she should be half your age she should be you know like this people that come from money men that come from money do not date women half their age it, you don't see mark zuckerberg doing that you'll never see bill gates doing that People that come from a legacy and a family, they select people who they can bring to family dinners because it's a legacy. They look at a woman's family. People with new money use women the same way that new money use a gold chain. It's a status symbol. So somebody with new money, of course, will be with a woman half his age and show off with that. Somebody who comes from generational wealth and comes from a family background will know that his dad will say, what are you doing? Bring a proper woman in and then we'll talk so they know they've got an, uh, they've got an institution to answer to.
1: So so what you're saying then essentially is that men of high value and high worth yeah in in this sake wouldn't wouldn't date the the single the single mum from the broken home not because the single mum's not good and she's not attractive and all that stuff but but because it doesn't meet the criteria don't to have bring to compromise yeah 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 okay
0: just like a high value woman wouldn't date a guy that's completely broken or anything like that. They don't have to compromise. They don't have to compromise. Um, That's what truly high value requires. It requires your partner not having to compromise. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a single mom or coming from a broken home or anything like that. But a true high value man also has a high value kind of background, usually. So they know that they haven't got time for or they haven't got the effort for dealing with too many overheads. So they try and select wisely. does it? But I actually do think it's wonderful when they do date single mums and do adopt a child I, and stuff. I actually I, think it's wonderful. I
1: have to say, I know some women that are single mums that are ph- not only phenomenal mums to their children, yeah. but also have done the work yeah. as well. And yeah, they may have made mistakes but those mistakes have turned into like beautiful mistakes yeah, you know I what I'm think saying?
0: even with single dads i think when you have when you get to a certain age in your life um and and having somebody else's children is actually a blessing yeah you get to, you realize that it's a blessing it doesn't always have to be my child only your child only what happens when you date somebody who's got children is you get an access into what their priorities are in life if they have children and they're still out in the club all day every day, not got their priorities straight, you're thinking they'll never have their priorities straight. Whereas if they have children, you realise that they become highly domesticated. They're in line. They've got their goals and vision. It's like I I get an insight, I get foresight into what you would be like in the future. I already get it, so it's perfect.
1: What do you think the biggest like misguided lie that you see in this in the so in the social setting right now? That, that kind of misguides everyone on how on how life should be and they think it's working for them, but it's actually not.
0: Uh, in relationship sense, do you think? It,
1: it, in all senses. Like the biggest lie on, on on the social media scene in terms of like, you know, how, how people should move.
0: I think the biggest lie is phrases like, um, be independent, be self-sufficient. You don't need anyone. You'll be fine. You got this. That's not how we're designed. You take a brand new baby If they aren't codependent on anybody, that baby will literally die. Human beings are designed biochemically for connection. They're designed to be codependent. They're designed to love each other. They're designed to be in tribes. Never in history have people not lived in tribes. It takes five, six people to raise a child because that's how much emotional connection they are required to have. Now, we now live in a hyper-independent society that is totally individualistic and teaching everybody, you'll be fine, you got this, self-improvement, self-esteem, self, 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 and nothing to do with a group affiliation. So what happens is when you don't feel great, you feel like you've lost that life. Whereas when we had group settings, it's like, okay, I don't feel great, but my group is doing really well, my, my family is doing really well, my tribe is doing really well, I'm good. But now we don't have that resilience because we're totally encouraged to be solo.
1: Do you think, though, that the lack of, obviously you come from a religious background, obviously you're fasting at the moment. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that your religion has instilled the values? And do you think because we've stepped away from religion a bit and and whether it's being a Christian or Jewish or whatever religion, do you think because we've stepped away from that, that it's become harder to have that, that, that grounding in kind of sense of morals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Humans are designed to follow some kind of rules. We, we need a manual. This is how life is. We Human beings need a manual. And I really saw it during COVID. What happened during COVID is people who thought they followed the rules the best actually thought they were the best people in society. They thought, we're the best. Like, I wear my mask everywhere. I sanitize everything. I'm the best. Because what happens is people who, we need rules. Because it tells us that we're a good person when we follow rules. And it's, you know, like when you get the work snitches uh, snitches that will snitch on people at work. Because they think following the rules makes them a good person. That's what people think. Now, when you get rules, if you don't follow religion, you're still going to be following rules. Whether it's from the government, whether it's from social media, whether it's from um, your friends. You're going to uh, follow social norms. Isn't it better that we follow social norms that were, which I believe were either sent by God or good for our soul? Even if it's not, even if you don't believe it's by, by God, the general rules tend to be love thy neighbor, give to charity, pray, so, uh, disconnect from this world. The rules tend to be good for your soul. So I just think that you're going to follow rules anyway why not choose rules that are actually healthy and uh, i know people think oh but there's unhealthy rules in there but look where society's taken us we're now going down the route where people think that in order to be a good person you have to accept people's genders whatever they want to define it as accept people that might want to uh, they they're now changing the rules to something about like children having being able to give consent and like almost pushing pedophilia because we've we followed the norms
1: do you, do you think that that's something that's, that's actively being driven now that they're trying to um sexualize society because I know that I was before this interview mm-hmm. I was on I was on Twitter just reading a tweet and then this Sam Smith thing I don't know if you saw Sam yeah. Smith the other night. Yeah. I think that's obviously on a personal level I think it's disgraceful the kind of stuff that's going on with Sam Smith and yeah. the way that he's moving in front of like concerts full of children. children yeah. And I I'm do you, is that something you think that from a psychological level, when you look at someone like Sam Smith and the way that he's moving right now, what do you see? Do, you, do you I see s- depression. Right, okay. I
0: see depression, and that's not just from his sexualized behaviour, it's from his body. The first sign of depression is how much you give up on what you put into your body. Wow. And then you start losing respect for yourself. This is what happens when you get... I say this to my clients that are overweight. I say, I would love to help you, but I promise you, until you start working out, it's limited what I can do for you. Because this is what happens. That's powerful. That is. Yeah, it's limited because, and this is why I'm not fat shaming in any way. But this is what happens when we gain weight. Every morsel we're putting into our mouth, we're losing respect for ourselves. When you're in shape and you have a cheat meal, you'd feel like you deserve it. But when you're out of shape and you do it, you feel guilty afterwards. You're slowly losing respect for yourself, and then when we lose respect for ourselves, our self esteem drops. And then when our self esteem drops. We then either we look for extravagant ways to show we're confident. So what will happen is when you've got low self-esteem, you want to be famous, or when you've got low self-esteem, you might want to do uh, threesomes. You look for extravagant ways to feel good again. Mm. Now, when I saw his, I didn't even pay attention to his costume. His weight was the first thing I noticed. All right? Okay, there's a depression. Let's have a look at how the symptoms of the. Oh, you're distracting people from the depression by doing all this nonsense. But right. really, you're so, sad.
1: So, all the extravagant behavior that people mm. assume in, in in their reality in society now right. is all a mask for the for the, for the depression that they're hiding Absolutely. by by their body weight. Um, just alone,
0: yeah, body weight. It doesn't mean if you've got great body, you're in great. You your self esteem is high. I'm not saying that, but the quickest way to assess someone's self esteem is to look at their body because it tells me what you're doing to it on a daily basis.
1: What about these guys that I when I was even when I lived in Australia, um, I'd go into gyms like World Gym, mm-hmm. which is like one of these bodybuilding gyms. Mm-hmm. I'd go in there, I'd see these gads, lads that were carved out like Greek Adonises, mm-hmm. you know, that, like Michelangelo's been there with a chisel. Mm-hmm. And I'd look at him, and when I looked into, like, t- into a conversation, I looked into their eyes, like, I could see a broken man. Broken. Like, in, in, in but that. even
0: those men will be injecting something. They'll be doing something to their body that's not good for it. And here's the thing, your body... Is your basically your home? It's your it's where we place our psychology. It's a, a home to put your brain. Now, how you treat that home, like if you have if you're renting a place, if you treat it like shit, you obviously don't respect the place. And same thing, if you treat your body like shit, you don't respect it. So there's something going on in that so just like if I trashed a hotel room I don't if I trash my body either through alcohol through steroids through overeating through having sex with the wrong people I don't respect it something's going on in the psychology
1: yeah so what are some of the red flags then that that both men and women can look out for in the opposite sex that that can that can show them that this person isn't whole and, and you know potentially stop a bad relationship in the first place i presume if you walk in and from what you've just said and you walk in and their place is a mess it shows you that their headspace is a mess right yeah. and i presume that if their body's in a mess that is pre- that then pre- presumptively your mind's in a mess too mm-hmm. what other things should people look out for
0: i think what well, is their decision making in general and this involves everything how what kind of decisions they make with their money with their time with who they have sex with with um with everything they do you look at their decision making now if their decision making is responsible it's sensible it wants the best for them and it helps them achieve their potential super high self-esteem But if their decision making is so chaotic, or it doesn't make it doesn't add up like one minute, they're so good at business, but then they choose the most toxic partner in the world, or they're so good in their relationship, but then they gamble on the side. It's like, there's something there's something in your decision making that tells me about your traumas. So let's lean into that and have a look at your own decision making in your life and think, okay, I'm so disciplined when it comes to food, I'm so good when it comes to money, but when it comes to relationships, I just seem to make the worst decisions. Why is that? Or it might be the opposite. It's like I'm so good at relationships, I'm so good at all of these things, but when it comes to business, I don't know, I make stupid decisions. Well, your decisions tell me where your traumas are.
1: When you want to ascertain more in depth on that when you want to get really ingrained in like okay say say i okay now i've accepted that i've got this trauma right right? so i've accepted i've got this trauma i know there's a trauma there how can i use psychology on myself to understand myself more and get and get in there without having to go see anyone or is that not possible
0: Uh, you don't have to go see anyone it doesn't necessarily have to happen you can just you know educate yourself online and stuff but here's the problem what the problem is when people have Traumas, Or when, they, when their life is a bit of a catastrophe The first thing they do Is try and diagnose their partner They will look on Google And wow. say Signs my ex was a narcissist And I get this all the time I'll get on the phone call with a client uh, I just wanted to speak to you Because my ex is a soci- sociopathic ni- uh, narcissist Pointless session Wow he, it, Pointless session
1: I've literally just had flashbacks I was dating this girl And in the early days of this podcast I was dating this girl And I'd be having this brilliant day, and then she'd ring me up and it just felt like she's just trying to start a fucking war with me. Yeah. Starting an argument to cause to cause this drama in my life. And I'm like, where's it, it just Kate just like out of nowhere. Like yeah. two minutes ago, great, like now there's this big world oh. war starting. She was a bit broken? Yeah, she she had I think there was trauma in relation to her father growing up.
0: So anytime there was separation she would get anxious or start a fight? Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. And very beautiful, very good looking. Um, her mum and dad were still together, but because she was, she was traumatised by, the, by, the, by her dad had hit her mum. Okay. Right? So there's, there's trauma there. Mm. And she used to start the most randomest arguments for well, me. what
0: that is, is like when people are traumatised, what they do is they fight with their partner to test how much they will fight for them back. So really, when women are fighting like that, they don't actually want to fight. They want to test your level of love and attachment to them. So what may have been happening is you might have been busy in your podcast. You might have been sat at home. Maybe she saw that you liked a picture of a girl. Maybe she saw something that uh, triggered her. She's like, let me start a fight. And I'll start a fight, threaten to leave him. And if he begs me, then I feel good again. I can relax. But if he doesn't beg me, then I know he's a prick. It's a test.
1: I, I knew, I knew and it was a test. And there's no a, way I, to
0: win this test, by the way. It doesn't matter. There's I knew, no way I, to win. I, I,
1: at the, at the, I knew it was a test. Yeah. I knew it was a test. I didn't understand the psychological reasoning behind the test. The Psychological
0: test. reason would be she's been triggered into thinking that at some point you're going to abandon her, so she wants to abandon you before you can get there first and test your response.
1: On a random Wednesday, that's going on for a moment. random
0: Monday morning. I I would do it before seven a.m. Sometimes.
1: Do, do you find Do you find this the cycle of like the moon and stuff like that affects women on a psychological level as well?
0: Um, I I I can't comment on things I don't know enough about. So unfortunately, I don't know anything about astrology
1: because, because I was speaking to my my friend who's a nurse who works in a hospital, and she said that there's some crazy stuff that happens around these. four I'm sure
0: that. it does. You know, I just, I, I you, religious you should, reasons we don't actually follow astrology too much. So I don't. I've never had my hand read. I don't know too much as I know I'm a Taurus. I'm very much a Taurus. I know that, uh, but I don't know too much about it. So I can't. No, no I, re- it, unfortunately. I respect. I, re-
1: I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. So what are some of the key the key Learnings that you've learned in the last 12 months that you previously, even in your psychological career, you hadn't even discovered them?
0: One thing I really have found is how many women cheat on men and how many men accept the unacceptable when it comes to women. And because, and I was explaining this to my friends, I have a bunch of really beautiful, wonderful friends, male, female, everything. And I, th- I think I never realised that we... Or a certain type of uh, a subcategory. I thought everybody was like us. I thought everybody doesn't tolerate nonsense and I thought everybody's like that but I didn't realize that there's levels to it and there's people out there, there's men out there that accept the unacceptable when it comes to women and I always knew women do that. I always knew that okay women have a bad boy face or women have guys that leave them unread. I was aware of that because you always hear about it on social media. Women ain't sh- uh, Men ain't shit or men are trash. I always knew that men are naughty and uh, the type of men i know i know okay i'm sure you're up to nonsense i never knew how bad how bad it is for men when it comes to dating it's impossible for them to find a loyal girl these days but they accept the unacceptable the men i'm around don't accept the unacceptable so i know and i always knew if i did a certain behavior if i did something like this the type of man i want would never accept it but there are men out there that will allow a woman to cheat again and again do uh, be promiscuous go out disrespect and you'll still beg her for attention I didn't know that existed until I started doing social media stuff so,
1: so where where are you see, seeing this more prevalent is it is it more of a younger generation a, yeah between younger what generation.
0: ages I would say between 18 to 30
1: so so anyone 18 to 30s practically now got no hope of finding a woman then in, in essence yeah, when UK. you break, no, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, uh,
0: it's not that they have no hope of finding a woman they have no boundaries. What's happened is they've grown up on porn. This is a t- I know I bring everything down to porn, and you can really tell I'm an advocate against pornography. For religious
1: reasons, I can't talk about
0: porn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it is? I think if I had one goal in life with this whole social media thing, it would be to remove the obsession with pornography uh, because of what it does to children. You know, everything is about children. So, what happens is the 18 to 30 year old man is grew up on pornography, whereas a guy a bit older, maybe in his 30s, what happened is, of course he watches porn and watched porn, I'm not naive, but there was an element of like, shit, dad's coming home, can't watch porn right now, or mom's going to find my magazines, or oh my god, how do I get that top shelf magazine, it's so embarrassing, the guy knows my dad, I can't buy it, you know, there was so much like, "Uh, uh, uh," when it comes to watching porn, whereas now headphones in, bedtime pornography, children, 11 years old, 12 years old, children. So what happens is their brain is being sculpted into thinking that women are just for sexual purposes and they are hypersexual and this is normal. So when they meet a woman who is engaging in so much promiscuous behavior, either online, offline, in person, whatever, they don't get the same triggers. They don't think, whoa, she's probably not going to be loyal. They think this is how women come. So they accept the unacceptable when it comes to relationships
1: so much in that that you can unpack like you know I'm good, uh, aren't I? <laughs> th- th- honestly, like you just you literally you've literally broke it down in such a way that it's it's so true isn't it when you look at society and how mm. society's moved over the last few few years even even like you know the the dominance of like the mobile phone and everything like that yeah. everyone's everyone's s- stuck to it everyone's involved in it, even on social media now like we're we're all somewhat in a addicted to dopamine hits Mm. so one thing i want to discuss with you today is like there's a i know a lot of um influencers people that are doing doing things and they're trapped into a certain type of con posting a certain type of content because i believe they're addicted to the likes that that type of content gets but they actually really they've they've evolved as a person they want to move beyond that content but they kind of trapped in this cycle if you break it how do you break that
0: uh here's the thing People attach. It's not your content. It's your authenticity that people actually attach to. Because what happens is, of course, my content is not particularly seductive or anything like that. It's nothing like that. But what happened is uh, there's a space for it. There's a space for whoever you are. There's a market for it. People attach to authenticity. That's it. So that's why there's all this cancel culture when they find out that somebody who had this squeaky clean image, they find out something scandalous, they want to cancel them. Why? Because we're like, we've been sold a lie. So here's what it is. People will attach to authenticity. If you just be yourself in whatever regard it is and you put that out for the world, what will happen is it might be less likes, but it's more sincere. I don't have as many followers as the average Insta model. I'll never have as many followers as the average sports model. I'll never have as many followers as her or as many reach or whatever it is. I'll definitely never have as many brand deals or anything like that. But the people who do follow me treat me like I'm a sister to them. I I go out in uh, in Dubai and somebody will come to me and be like, oh my gosh, your video, this and the other. And they treat me like I'm their sister. I literally, they're like, you're like a sister to me, and I've never met this person, because they're attaching to the authenticity, so it's better to have fewer, but more sincere acceptance.
1: Not many women would go out at the level you are, and just openly say that women nowadays cheat a phenomenal amount. non-stop. Do you you know what I mean, like, when...
0: And here's the other thing. They're in denial about it. I will speak to cheating women. They have zero remorse about what they, because a lot of my clients are women who are cheating on their husbands. They have so, such a lack of remorse about it because this is what women do compared to men. Men usually when they cheat, they start to feel a bit of guilt. So they're nicer to their wife. They're a bit nicer. They might buy her something. they might be a bit more grateful. You know, you're a ride or die. Like, poor girl. If she knew what I was doing, let me be nice to her. Women, what they want to do to get rid of that dissonance of what they're actually engaging in is they start putting their husband down. They start thinking, my husband's such an idiot. He's so dumb. He's so stupid. So what happens is by putting him down, they feel less guilty about going somewhere else. They justify it in their brain. So the treatment is different. The guilt is greater when a man is cheating on a woman.
1: And would you say it's skewed, skewed more, one more to like the female side of cheating these days than the male?
0: Definitely, because they're better at it
1: just through the the fact that women understand psychology at a lot deeper level than men. Because
0: men are more naive. They just think when she says she's coming home late, they don't have that automatic who, what, where. Whereas with women... Do you think? Not as much. Do you think?
1: I, I, think, I think I'd think i be right onto Do that. You
0: know, I, th- th- even little things, like even with my social media, and it's open and it's fine, it's not like anything negative. But if I partner had a social media like mine, I wouldn't be happy with it. But hes he doesn't have a problem with mine, but I would have a, a huge problem with it. And it's just like that element of trust. Uh, maybe because I'm a bit psycho, but generally I just think <laughs> a bit. Yeah, that's
1: an, an open admission. Very, very, very psycho. Uh, it's corrector. always hidden in, hidden, hidden in true psycho. Yeah, that's, that's it. Psycho. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't be happy, even if the message was good. Even if it, I just wouldn't be happy with it because I'm insecure.
1: So you're, say, you're saying you're insecure?
0: Oh, massively. Did I ever come across like I'm not? If I did, I apologize. I'm very insecure.
1: So would, are the majority of women insecure in some element of their life?
0: Yeah, why wouldn't you be? There's always some element of your life where you know you, you aren't necessarily uh, at your peak or isn't exactly how, where you wanted it to go. So uh, being insecure is not a problem. Here's the thing. People see it as like a trigger. and I'm not insecure. I'm fine. I, nothing wrong with being insecure. It's about having a handle over your insecurities, knowing them warning people of them and being being kind to yourself because of the insecurity
1: women have a certain i suppose without being mean i suppose they say men age better than women in a lot of respects don't mm-hmm. they? they they say that is is that is that a truth that in from a psychological point of view that, that women have a, a certain thought process around how they're aging that's why they go and get loads of fillers all this kind of stuff to cover up, to mask, and that's another mask for traumas that they've not dealt with rather than allowing here's themselves the to be beautiful and age nicely. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Here's the thing. I don't think it's necessarily so much about ageing because I do think that children age you, unfortunately, as a woman. So if you have children twenty-two, twenty-three, 22, 23, that can age you more than a 30-year-old who's had no children. So it, it, ageing is a problem. But here's the, here's the thing. Men can compensate bad looks. Women can't. When a man is not that good looking, he's super funny. He's super intelligent. He's super successful. He becomes attractive, especially if he's funny. Like that's the easiest way to like, you know, get women. Whereas women don't have a compensatory strategy. You can be nice, you can be kind, but a guy's not going to think, "Wow, you're gorgeous." He's just going to think you're a nice, kind. I'll marry you because you're great. But he won't convince himself that you're beautiful and not really. Whereas for women, when you're the funniest guy, you become super handsome. It's like we right. get this like lens on us if he's super or if he's super, you you can become super handsome to a woman in her lens. But for a man, if you're unattractive, you're unattractive. Even if you're nice, pretty, kind, caring, they'll still be with you. I'm not saying they won't choose you, but they're not blinded to your uh, to your looks. They're not going to be like you're the most beautiful girl in the world. They'll still recognise that you're not that attractive.
1: It's, so you're saying then essentially that women have only got their, their looks to, to essentially trade off really.
0: Well, it's not that they've got this, only got their looks, but if you don't have it, you don't have it. It's that simple. Whereas for men, if you don't have it, you've got charm, you got banter, you you got, got this. So there's
1: something that you can put in Definitely there. that's that, that will sup- make
0: you sexually attractive. Right, on the the s- thing, in the, the sexual point, You can still be yeah. sexually attractive if you're super tall, if you're in shape, you're still sexually attractive. Whereas for women, if we're not attractive, we're not attractive.
1: But what's what's to go with um most women say they want a man who's like six if you're not under if you're not over six foot you're dead to me um all this kind of stuff that they're saying now on all the dating apps you know i'm not on any dating apps now myself but they do say that on dating apps like Mm -hmm. what what is the psychology behind that what
0: i would say to women is make your criteria in men the pool of women a pool of men that are attracted to you uh, if you're a girl who wants a six foot two in shape man, but none of those men are giving you attention, change your type if that is the type of man that's constantly coming for you, keep that type you 're very lucky you can you, you've so earned women, so
1: women should change their type predicated on what 's attracted to them
0: absolutely it would be a completely pointless strategy being attracted to a man who has no interest in you no point if i 'm a girl that is I don't know, let's say for example I'm super overweight or I'm super super short and I'm not getting the type of guys that I that I like. Change your type. They're not gonna like you. You either stay single or beg them to like you or use sex to get them to like you or make them need you because you don't know because you don't feel like they want you, you're gonna set yourself up for psychological failure.
1: So what percentage of women then are going out there into the marketplace misaligned on the type of man that they even want
0: majority i would say majority here's the thing the, here's how you know you you have a realistic expectation of what you want those type of men that you want always want you back simple same with men men and women here's how you know you've got the right realistic expectations the type of person that you walk into a room and you look at and you think oh he's my type by the end of the night he's speaking to you without you saying a word or girl, a guy, you look at a girl and you're like, that's my type. She's equally interested. She responds to your texts. But if you've got this t- particular type and you're like, no, I want this type. I don't care. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. But they don't come for you. You're deluded.
1: Yes. I, I've never even thought,
0: I, I, and thought I you to, do I've had this conversation with many Clients. I've
1: ne- I, I didn't think that you could kind of change your type. I'd never even thought of the concept of changing type. Well,
0: here's the thing. That, that works for
1: men too, right?
0: Yeah, men and women, change your type to the people, because here's the thing, they like they see it as settling.
1: What if you don't like, what if you're a man though, who doesn't like the type that he's attracted?
0: That, well, then here's the thing. You might not like the type that you're attracting, but the type that you want are giving you no time and energy. So do you like that feeling of rejection? Do you enjoy that? Oh. So if you enjoy, like, if you change your type to that feeling, not the person. I don't like the feeling of somebody leaving me on red. I don't like the feeling of someone cancelling a date on me. I don't like the feeling of somebody s- saying no when I ask them out. I like the feeling of someone who responds to me, who cares about me. So choose those people, whatever shape, form, size, color they come in.
1: So with me, I have a type. What's right? your type? That I just What's <laughs> your type, babes <laughs> on
0: paper? <laughs> no,
1: no. no. <laughs>
0: Oh, I've, I've
1: obviously got a type, yeah. and and that I've been attracted to, and I've and I've had relationships with, uh-huh. and then I've got this other type that's also good looking and spicy too. But I kind of think when you said that, when I, was, I was saying okay, I've got a type, and I was going processing it in my mind, and then I thought to myself, Fuck, I always war with the these women that are my type because because exactly. they're, they're, they're all they're but but they're, I still get with them, but like they're. it's drama it's it's drama it's like
0: it's being being in a fight it will be disrespect here's the the underlying feeling when you go for somebody that is your type but you're not necessarily their type there's an element of disrespect always there's either i'll cancel on you last minute i will talk to other people there's an element of disrespect if you're causing that person to shift their type to be with you they'll start disrespecting you because they don't want to be there Ah, so what happens yeah yeah. so what happens is when you choose the person that chooses you there's an underlying respect
1: choose a person that chooses you
0: then you'll get some self-respect and mutual respect it's
1: fucking it's fucking mental isn't it so so you're saying that there's Because if anyone causes, like
0: uh, like for example, I'll have like maybe I'll have like I'll meet a guy who comes to me and says, "Okay, I want a really beautiful girl. I want a really really beautiful girl. She has to be six foot, like five foot six, tall, beautiful, blah blah. I want a beautiful girl, and he's not. He's not their type. Yeah, he might be super short. He might be overweight. He might be a bit older. He's not their type, and they're convinced." That it's just a matter of time that she falls in love with him. But here's the thing: that supermodel girl doesn't have to compromise. So if you are super short, if you're super old, if you're super overweight, she doesn't have to compromise. Why would she choose you? Choose a girl that chooses you, because then she's not resenting you for having to compromise.
1: Right, and and and, and like I say, choose a girl that chooses you. But you're not saying don't choose a non-attractive girl. No, she could you, be
0: beautiful. She, yeah, you
1: say, you're saying be beautiful, but but, but actually, she chooses but, you. But but because because she chooses you because she. You are her type. Yeah. You now have peace as a man.
0: You have respect. This is one thing that men do online. We want peace. We want peace. We want peace. Peace is created. It doesn't just happen. So these guys will be coming home late, liking girls' pictures online all day, talking to other people, and then be like, why aren't you my peace? Look, selection and behavior they're not your peace because maybe she is somebody you chose badly or you're indulging in behaviors that aren't conducive to peace peace is created so they come on all these podcasts and like men just want peace men just want peace but i'm going to do my thing and i'm going to go sleep around and i'm going to go to the club every night but i just want to come home to peace no babe it doesn't work like that you create peace
1: it's just mad how you make it sound so fucking simple it is that
0: simple i know i think you create here's the thing they think it's a magic formula they think that they're going to meet a girl and she's just going to be his piece you you come correct you create that piece by your behavior well firstly by your selection process you don't choose a woman that's chaotic and got too much you know chaos going on you choose someone who's who also likes peace but secondly, you also create peace in your home by acting in a way that's kind, considerate, respectful, loyal. Peace is an inevitable outcome. But if you want to act so, peace fall, is the
1: byproduct essentially to absolutely. all. Absolutely. Peace is the peace that men want these For days
0: yeah.
1: and talk about objectively is a byproduct of the selection process that they should have in place. So what you're saying And their
0: behavior afterwards.
1: And their behavior with once they And got and, and the way they, the way they conduct themselves with those, with that with that type of woman. Exactly that. So essentially then how does a man and a woman get their selection processes down pat? Are you saying like objectively Write it down on a piece of paper Exactly what you want Or
0: I'm a really anti Like manifest And I'm not really like that Here's it. I'm very practical Here's how you select a piece You have a list of deal breakers I cannot tolerate this behaviour So this is
1: what you term as Red flags
0: Red flags Deal breakers I cannot I can't cooperate with this, it might be religious, it might be promiscuous, or if you've got this kind of behavior, that kind of past, whatever it is, I can't, I can't, you might have a criminal past, whatever it is, I can, loyalty, uh, these are my deal breakers, I can't be with you because of this, now I go through dating with that, with that in my mind, I look at the person, even if they have fantastic qualities, they're beautiful, funny, successful, but they've even got one deal breaker Khalas, there's no point. Yeah, there's what was no that word? Khalas. Sorry, I'm in. I'm in Dubai. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and I also say inshallah a lot as well. Yeah, I, I yeah, might need yeah, to, yeah, 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 have a little subtitle. What, but what
1: what, what does that word mean? Uh, done. 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 Finish. Yeah. Finito. So da-
0: if they have even one deal breaker, but here's the problem: people will uh, find somebody that they really like who has a million deal breakers, and then try and cling on to that person and get them to change, and the relationship is a roller coaster whereas if you just select people who have none of the deal breakers even if they're slightly less great things but none of the deal breakers you are not forcing change you are forcing acceptance you're just accepting them and then the relationship is smooth
1: this is why when i go into f- generational wealthy environments mm-hmm. and parties and i see how the women conduct themselves and the and the type of women that men have yeah and they might they might not to be honest even be the fucking best looking picnic in no, the box but they'll have the beautiful elegant woman that's also come from some generational wealth and it's just the 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 and they might not be eloquent outside of there but in the environment that they're in they are and it's it's very when you look at it from a psychological point of view like okay now i get the how there synergy's there, the synergy's there yeah. and they, they've they've contextualized and created their environment to mm. represent them because they understand that this woman and this man represents me as a person too yeah. so if you've got a woman going out there and cheating on you and this, and
0: then you're forcing her to behave you're forcing her to get in line which myron really teaches like you just get them to get in line get them to behave you can't
1: mold a woman you can't though.
0: mold a human being you can't even mold your children Think about your children, how much you want them to behave a certain way. and it's like, You can't even do it with them. You can't do it with a person. The best thing is you select wisely.
1: What about the fixers, though? There's a lot of people. I, I, I know mm-hmm. before I did, I, did I, I went and did a lot of, like, spiritual healing. I know yeah. you don't believe in that type of stuff, but I did go. I did did go you do ayahuasca? No, I've done, um, I've done a mushroom journey, which healed a lot of generational trauma. Amazing. And um, I know it's probably anti what you believe. No, no,
0: it's not, not that. It's, uh, it's just I also you, find it a bit scary right Um, okay i'm a i'm a wuss i've never drunk alcohol i've never done anything so i'm very uh, i I
1: don't drink alcohol i've never had alcohol Mm -hmm. um but i've and i've never had any other drugs other than other than mushrooms but i um i went on this mushroom journey and it really it really helped me find peace with because because i felt when i was younger that i didn't feel like i had my mom and dad had been together like 45 years okay um good family stable home but because I had a sister and I was in my head I was in a competition with my sister I didn't feel loved by my mum right. that lack of love that I, f- that I didn't feel from my mom at the time that I'd never healed caused all my mar- all my dramas in my relationships I th- had a similar problem yeah yeah sh- I
0: have lots of sisters right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you felt like yeah Absolutely. right
1: and when you feel like that unless you heal that I, I've healed that now that's why I can talk about it openly mm-hmm. but you can't talk about something that you haven't healed right yeah
0: so how, how do you measure healing
1: well I just feel I just I, I, I know that I know you don't like the word but I just feel peaceful now about talking about it and helping other people by talking about it and saying look I had a trauma here mm-hmm. and that that trigger and that and that deep ingrained belief that wasn't even fucking true yeah it's a core right? belief that you developed. A core, a core belief that I developed that my mom didn't love me in factual not true and not present in my reality however I took on the Took on the belief like it was true and created a narrative around it, and then that 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 by not healing that part of myself, I attracted these these beautiful women that had other ailments in their childhood that they hadn't healed, and and they attracted. And by being in that environment, it caused chaos, yeah. and that was and that what, was my what lesson. What core
0: cool beliefs do to us? That's really fascinating. If you grow up thinking that you're not loved by someone, that you believe that, that's a core belief. So what happens is you go through life with that belief and you look for people that validate that belief. And what I mean by that is... You look for people that will make you also believe that you're not lovable.
1: This this is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Exactly what happened. So you'll
0: either find someone very caring and push them away until they stop loving you. And you're like, your core belief still stands. Or you choose somebody who doesn't love you that much anyway. And then your core belief still stands. So we're looking to validate our core beliefs. We're looking for other people to also believe we're not uh, lovable. So until we get rid of that core belief, we'll constantly be in the cycle.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what I was doing. I was, I was dating very, 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 very spicy, but very, very, very spicy, toxic. Spicy.
0: Right. And very, to- very <laughs> yeah. toxic. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, it's, I it's, it's
1: just total. It's just, I just caused myself so much chaos. Trump,
0: Trump, well, what you do is strengthen that core belief.
1: And, and yeah. And then what, what happens is you back up the belief. You then, then once you've reaffirmed that belief to yourself as a man, you go, you go out back into the world again Mm -hmm. and you, you have this pre-deposition on, on women and that, and then you attract it to even worse. And you just, you just create
0: a new, new until it, until it
1: gets to the point where you're like, hang on a minute, the common denominator here in all this is me.
0: Well, that's how, well, this is one one of the reasons I asked, well, how do you measure healing? Um, Because people will sometimes come to me and be like, I don't want to talk about my mum issues because I've healed from that. And I said, how are you measuring healing? They're like, because I don't care. But uh, I'm okay. That's not, healing is by your ability to sustain and maintain healthy romantic relationships.
1: Well, he- heal- healing has to also be the part of like, if you can start to talk about it, you can process it, that's right? That's
0: the first step. That's definitely the first step. That's that's removing the anxiety. But actually knowing if you've healed is the, rom- out, the, yeah. the strength of your romantic relationships. Yeah, Because they can't last with people who are unhealed. And how you know you haven't healed, and you've just kind of got a handle on it, but you haven't fully healed, is every romantic relationship still feels a bit like, yeah, forced, mean, yeah, and it falls apart. So,
1: so when you've done the work to kind of heal and release the triggers and the tr- and the so-called mo- majority of the trauma, say let's just call it eighty percent, that final twenty percent. Does that come from like going out into the, into the marketplace, so to speak, and just dating until you find it well, or, or is, attracting it? The
0: first thing is when you go into the market space, you select wisely. Because here's the thing. Somebody who doesn't care about their body will go into the supermarket and select sugars, carbs, yeah. things that are bad for them. Somebody who cares about their body will choose protein, healthy food. Somebody who doesn't care about their psychological health will choose toxic, hard, hard conditional love, abusive, Somebody who cares about themselves and loves themselves won't be attracted to that.
1: As you ascend as a man um, in in your business and everything you're doing, does it ultimately k- continue to get harder and harder and harder to find a soulmate because of, because you're ascending in a in social circle as well?
0: Well, what happens is the skills uh, that you need for business are not transferable for relationships. So really successful men learn to be hyper-logical, uh, they become cutthroat, they become very limited time, those skills are not transferable in in relationships, you need to be emotionally connected, you need to be emotionally aware, you need to meet somebody else's needs, you need to be told no, you need to be, you know, you need to compromise and as a man becomes a CEO, and so nobody tells him no and so and also he is people is logical is this a, those skills are not transferable so it becomes increasingly hard to maintain and sustain a relationship so the only way he deals with it is by selecting a woman that doesn't require as much emotional connection and right. that's why rich men get cheated on more
1: rich men get cheated on more now this is a this is a topic
0: because here's what happens like i said to you to be hyper successful you have to be very logical not very emotional super busy Therefore, you need a woman who's not requiring that much emotional investment, doesn't mind that you're busy. Those women who don't look for emotional connection, look for financial investment. They are not going to be emotionally loyal to you.
1: So would more women cheat on Andrew Tate than they would on a a lower status guy? I
0: think Andrew is probably one of the few people that's clocked that. And I would imagine he would put women through the ringer before he invests in them. So perhaps not Andrew, but I would say more women would cheat on somebody like, who's the hyper successful man that's out there?
1: Uh, I want your example. I'm I'm, I'm waiting with uh, bated breath on this. I don't
0: want to upset anyone, but I would say more women would cheat on a CEO of a company than they would of an employer of a company. The employer will probably date another employer who have limited kind of... The employee, you mean? Employee, yeah, yeah, yeah so sorry, another employee. They would date each other. They have time for work, time for investment, time for work, time for investing in themselves, the kids, the, all this stuff. So they build something, and they create that emotional connection, and they're also tapping in and out. And you also know she's not choosing you for lifestyle she's not choosing you that she's not that type of woman she's choosing you for the connection that you created now the ceo is automatically choosing women who like lifestyle because he doesn't have time to emotionally connect
1: right so which which means he
0: filters it down he his filter is now down to the woman who is okay with you going on uh, business trips all day or every week is okay with as long as the bills but are she's paid, also
1: getting banged by the personal trainer absolutely and, and, and that's, you, you literally, that's literally what you're saying, I believe that in it?
0: this day and age. I, d- I think in our parents' generation, it was different. I think in our parents' generation, dad would go to work, mom would stay home, it's fine. Now what's happened is people feel they're entitled to every source of pleasure that they can access. So if he's not emotionally available, I should be with somebody who is. So I'm going to get the best of both worlds and I'm going to find it somewhere else.
1: Is what Andrew Tate is teaching young men the full narrative, or is there something missing from the context?
0: I think, <laughs> I'm going to be careful, uh, but I think what he's missing is the difference between new money and legacy money, and enjoyment and fulfillment.
1: Can you can you give me a bit of a deeper explanation on that?
0: I like the, how that sounded, so I kind of wanted to leave out at that, but I'll add more to, <laughs> details I want, to detail. I want more context <laughs> on that. Here's the thing, enjoyment and fulfillment are, are not the same thing. You can enjoy a girl who's 19 years old and on a boat and take her on a lifestyle, absolutely. Can you have an intellectual, fulfilling, intimate conversation? Can you turn to A boat is a red flag to me, by the way. (laughs) It is to me as well. And I hate boats as well. Everybody in Dubai wants a boat, don't they? Uh, But yeah, so what I would say is you're you're not fulfilling something. In order to get, yeah, you can have that lifestyle, absolutely. But what's fulfilling is knowing that I can speak to this person about any emotional concern I have, and she offers me a valid and supportive answer. But if I'm talking to her about my stress and she's like, okay, but what time is the reservations? Uh, but can my friend come on the boat? What fulfillment is in that? You're spending more money on these random girls on a club than you do on your mum, some of these men. They spend more money on a table in, a, in London. Uh, I know guys that will spend two, three thousand pounds on a table, but their mum hasn't got a car. What? Like they, they can easily, yeah. Are they you could, Honestly, and their mom is taking the bus, and I'm just thinking, think about that. There's a girl that's coming on your table that will never speak to you again. Is going home with another man, and you're prepared to spend more money on that experience. But when your mom's birthday is coming up, you're thinking, oh, mom, that's a bit expensive.
1: Is this is this the same? Is this the same psychological framework? that is like where you see the guy with the sports car on the council estate driveway yeah is that the same mentality you're talking about here's the
0: thing when we grow up feeling inadequate financially we need big gestures like i was saying in anything wherever you feel inadequate you need big gestures always so if you felt like overweight unattractive when you're young when you finally get slim you want to open instagram and an OnlyFans. When you uh, grew up without money, you want a McLaren and you want a Lamborghini because you need to show people, I made it. Now, true fulfillment comes when you don't need external validation. It's hard to do, by the way. That's not something that should just happen. It's very difficult, especially when you've just got in shape. Of course, you want to show it to the world. But true fulfillment comes when you don't require external validation. You you use that strength to just kind of create your own little circle of people that you love.
1: I love that. And this is... If there's one piece um, of advice that you've wanted to give this year to the whole world, oh right? You've wanted to give it to the whole world, but no one's asked you the question for you to be able to give it to the whole world. What have, what, have, what question haven't I asked you that you want to give the answer to?
0: Oh, what a fantastic question. If I could give one piece of advice to anybody and everybody, um, it would be, I, I would say that the one thing you... Make decisions today that you won't regret in 10 years. Try and do them. Try and live a life where you don't regret your decisions. And people will say there's no such thing as regrets, there's no regrets. But I say there's no such thing as a a good, bad decision. When you make one bad decision, it's followed by a thousand other bad decisions. And when you make one good decision, all good choices come as a natural consequence. So what I would say is have a look at your decision making and don't think, oh, there's no YOLO, forget it. It's OK. Short term, short term, short term. Think about it in the long term, because I promise you one bad decision is 100 bad decisions. Think about them carefully before you indulge in them.
1: If there's one final piece of advice you could give for all the men that listen to this podcast, right? The, the, if, you, if you had to leave the world tomorrow, you're checking out and you've just got to leave men with one piece of golden wisdom mm-hmm. that they can implement in their life today that's going to move them forward in their day in life, in their, from a psychological point of view, what would it be?
0: It'd be to treat women well, and I'll tell you why. When you treat women well, they become better human beings. When you see that broken woman that's horrible, horrendous, cruel, cheating, there's a man that's her, uh, maybe her father, It might be a partner, somebody's hurt. And what happens when men don't treat women well, we create a society of soulless women. We create a bunch of women who are just egotistical, narcissistic, they are hyper-independent, they lose their kindness. But when you take women who are loved by a man, whether it's a father, a brother, a a partner, when she's loved by a man, she's the kindest, softest, sweetest woman. So if you want to create, a legacy and an environment where w- you, you change this kind of woman treat them with love and respect and that doesn't mean all of them it doesn't mean you take a terrible woman and you start giving her love but you select a woman wisely and you give her love and ex- a lot of love and respect and then what will happen is she'll turn into a wonderful or she should maintain i i don't believe you can take a bad woman and give her love and she'll become perfect i don't believe that happens they become worse but if we create a society where men, maybe starting as fathers, really love women, their daughters, they give them so much love and respect and self-esteem, those women become kinder. But when you have a father that treats women, better, their daughters, neglectfully, that child belongs to the world. And she's narcissistic, horrible, unkind, unkind to herself. So treat the women in your world, whether it's your mother, your sister, your child, your wife, treat them well.
1: And if there's one piece of golden advice that you could give to women that's going to help them advance their life, what yeah. would it be?
0: Preserve your body. It's really important for you. Preserve your body in every way you can. Um, it, whether it's on social media, whether it's with the people you interact with, it, whether it's with your friends, family, whatever it is, preserve your body. Treat it like a, a home for your your brain and just like you wouldn't trash a hotel room because it's where you're living for the next couple of days, don't trash your body in any way, shape or form, don't plaster it everywhere don't give it out to every man that doesn't deserve it, don't uh, vandalise it with like tattoos and stuff that you're going to later regret, treat your body like a home for your brain
1: I love it, and I really appreciate you coming on this day, don't be silly, it's a pleasure uh, it's, it's honestly been a pleasure to talk about some of these topics, some of them obviously a bit in depth and not normally what I'd normally touch upon in in this podcast so it's nice to be able to have the forum with someone who knows in the depths that you know to be able to touch on some of this stuff and really understand the, the deeper meaning behind a lot of the stuff that's gone together. So Thank I really, you for I really, ap-
0: such insightful questions. Oh, I, pr- I love I when I'm on a podcast and I say something that I haven't said before because uh, it's hard to How do. How many that. things on this podcast have you said? That I you think haven't. majority of it. I feel like I've never said before. So I really Not enjoy that. that because then I, because I, I hate watching myself repeat anything. So, you know, um, when I get asked insightful questions, I really, really enjoy it.
1: I appreciate you doing it and guys do me a solid favor if you've got the amount of value out of this and you've learned some some lessons in it that I think you should I know some of these things can be a bit triggering um, if you feel triggered at any point during this podcast there's obviously work there to do that's the beauty of the work the work never ends if you get triggered it's just revealing a pattern in yourself that you need to fix that is where your work is lean into that don't don't hate upon it but I hope this podcast gives you immense value share it with everyone in your network put share on social media and that is Sadia Khan
0: thank you so much for having me
1: (laughs) guys do me a solid favor drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next